I grew up in a home where we didn't have much financially. We were just po. I mean, we could not even afford the OR. Some of you will get that later on, so uh, you'll figure that out. But uh, growing up, I never realized that we were po until finally one day I was eavesdropping as a six-year-old to my Uncle Phil and my dad. And my Uncle Phil uh, turned to my dad and he said, you guys are so poor that you could actually get on food stamps. And my dad said, oh, we don't need that. We're actually going to plant a gigantic garden. And so that's what he did. He planted this gigantic garden with fruits and vegetables, all kinds of stuff. And then he hired three workers to work at this garden. Those three workers were my sister Lisa, my brother Tim, and myself. And when I say that he hired us, what I meant is that we were free labor. And basically what he said is that either you work the garden or you don't eat. And so we worked the garden. Now, my parents provided for us, but I'm telling you, things were very tight growing up as a kid. And we wouldn't have been able to make it. It was really challenging big time had it not been for the gigantic garden. And so from my childhood, what happened was I started to become a tightwad. And I would keep everything close to me. I saved every penny. By the time I was 16, I had $2,500 because I kept everything. And I lived with a mindset of scarcity. A scarcity mindset that says this, there's not enough, we'll never be able to make it, I'll always be behind, we're never going to get there. Have you ever had a scarcity mindset before? A mindset that thought to yourself, well, I just don't have enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough assets. I don't have enough finances. And pretty soon what happens when you have this scarcity mindset, it will consume your life. Whenever this takes place, scarcity actually becomes a cycle. And that's what I want to show you in this diagram right now. In the scarcity cycle, what happens is God supplies. God supplies everything that you and I need. Everything comes from his hands. And typically, the first thing that we do after God supplies is that we consume. We actually consume everything because we think it all belongs to us. We spend whatever comes in. We consume. And then we get to the end of the month, and what happens is we're like, oh my gosh, there's not enough. We don't have enough. And you don't have anything left over. And so what happens then is a sense of lack. And whenever we consume and we don't have enough, we think that we lack. The dominant emotion that comes next is fear. And we get very fearful. We consume, and then we realize we don't have enough, and then we fear, and then we consume again, and we get in this cycle. And the reality is, the tragic reality is, is that most people in our city, in our county, in our state, in our country, live this way with a scarcity mindset. We call it living paycheck 
to paycheck. We consume, we lack, we fear, and then we consume again. And we get in this cycle again and again. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I have a feeling that there are some of you, just from the beginning of this teaching, that you're getting tensed up. In fact, if your butt cheeks are really tight right now, because you're like, oh no, he's talking about money. I just can't do it. I just can't handle it. What I want you to know is that what you're living in is a scarcity mindset. That's what you're living in. A mindset that says, I don't think that we have enough. And now the church is going to ask us to give. Well, I just don't think we can do it. It's a scarcity mindset. Folks, this is what I know, though, about all of you who are here today. You want to be generous. In fact, there's a piece of you that's like, I always want to be generous. You didn't wake up this morning and go, I wonder how much I can not be generous today. I wonder how much selfishness I can be in my life. You didn't wake up that way. You woke up saying, I want to be generous. And some of you are some of the most generous people that I know. But the majority of us in this auditorium and on the stream today live in the mindset. So what I want to share with you today, for those of you that are Christ followers, I think it would help anyone, even if you're here for the first time, but especially for those of you that believe in the things of God, I want to share with you a different type of cycle that we find in the Bible and what God gives to us and what Jesus actually lived out. It's not a cycle of scarcity, but it's actually a cycle of supply or abundance. And this is what faithful followers of Jesus do. What is it that we are called to do? This is your first fill-in. We are to give generously. Because of what God has given to us, we want to give generously. In fact, Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest followers, he creates this idea of a supply cycle, a different type of cycle in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. And this is what it says. It says this, you must decide in your heart how much to give. That's what we do. We give generously. And then look at these next instructions I love. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. In other words, don't be manipulated. Don't feel pressure to give. If you feel pressure, don't do it. Don't give. If you feel like today that you're being pressured in any way, I'm telling you, don't do it. Don't give. Why? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That's what we do. We give cheerfully. We give joyfully because that's what we do. And then what happens? What happens is, and God will generously provide all you, what's the next word? Need. Not your wants, but all that you need. Notice, this isn't lack, it isn't scarcity, God provides. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely. And how do they give? 
And they give what? What's the next word? They give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered how long? Forever. That's what we do. That's who we are. We give generously to those who are poor, to the things of God. When God blesses us, we give. We bless others by what God has given to us. And as Jesus followers, this is simply what you and I do. That's what we do. Now, that's what we do. What does God do then? The two kind of sides, this is what we do. Well, what God does then is that God multiplies abundantly. That's what God does. God multiplies abundantly. We give generously and he multiplies abundantly. Verse 10 says this, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. What does God do? God gives us a seed to sow, a seed to plant. And God then gives us resources to actually have bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a harvest of generosity in you. God blesses us and he multiplies that and then we become more generous. And then the scripture says this, you will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can be afraid, so you can be nervous, so you can be anxious. No. So you can always be what? Generous. And when we take those gifts to those in need, what are they going to do? They are going to thank God. So this first cycle is a cycle of scarcity. We consume, we lack, we fear, and we consume again. And we say, I don't have enough, so I just can't give. That's what keeps going on. Instead, though, what Paul gives to us and we, what we find as the normative of Scripture is a cycle of supply or abundance. Whenever God supplies, what's the first thing that we do? The first thing we do is we give. We give. As followers of Jesus, the very first thing we do when God blesses us, when he supplies, is we give. And we do it actually as an act of worship to him. We give because God gave to us. John 3, 16, what's it say? For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. And because he gave so much to us, we choose to give back. He gave Jesus to us for our eternal life, and we gratefully and cheerfully give back to him. Then after we give, what does God do? He multiplies what we give. We give, he multiplies it. It's like, if you think about it, we look at the fields now around uh, Carroll or uh, Madison County, uh, Delaware County, Jay County, all the counties that are around us. And what you can see is that seeds were planted in the spring and now there's a harvest. There's way much more. He multiplies what we give. And then we don't turn to fear, but what happens? We actually then grow our faith. And then we choose to give again. We give, God multiplies, we grow our faith, and we choose to give again. That's what we do. 
God blesses us, and so we choose to give. He multiplies it. Our faith grows, and then we give again. Now, the problem is every time that we teach on money in the church is that sometimes there are churches, televangelists, pastors that get really weird about. And sometimes there's some extreme positions, like this one called the prosperity gospel. What this basically says is, is that if you have enough faith and you give some money to the things of God, you will become rich and healthy and whole and you will have no problems in your life whatsoever. If you give, you'll be rich. And this is a distortion of what scripture actually is about. And it's an extremely dangerous position for people to ever be in. Now, I do believe that scripture is clear that God loves to bless his people. He does. And that when he blesses us, then it's out of that blessing we desire to want to give, just as Paul says. And sometimes he does bless us with wealth, but not all the times, not all the times. Sometimes he blesses you with health or he blesses you with a relationship or anxiety that's reduced or depression that goes down. He blesses in multiple different ways, not just financially. But this is true. Whatever God blesses is typically what we give. God does always bless when we give. So in this cycle of abundance or supply, the act of worship that God calls for is called the tithe. Now, tithing is a Hebrew word called masser. And what it means is a tenth or 10%. And what God would do in the very early days is he would say, I want 10% of your fields, of your flocks, whatever, to come back to me as an act of worship. And that 10% then is given to him and he multiplies then the rest of the 90%. And it's not just an Old Testament thing. Many times people say, well, that was in the Old Testament. Actually, Jesus two times in the New Testament said, you should tithe. That's what he says. You should tithe. Folks, the cycle of supply or abundance is when God blesses us, we worship him in an act by saying, God, we are going to choose to give back to you 10% because you've given so much more than we could ever imagine. And then God multiplies it, he builds our faith, and we give again. And it becomes this cycle that happens of abundance or supply. And it's different than scarcity. Again, scarcity is, you know what, I'm going to consume everything that I have, and then I'm going to realize I don't have enough, and so I'm going to get fearful, but I'll consume more. So for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is unpack for you three ways that the power of the tithe works. Three thoughts on the power of the tithe. The first one is this. What tithing does is that it makes us put God first. It teaches us, hey, God, you're first in everything in my life, including my finances. Scripture says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God what? First, not second, not third, not when I get around to it. I put God first in your lives. It teaches us to put God first. Now, 
At this point, I have a feeling that some of you, if you're still on the stream, you're thinking about leaving. And I have a feeling that some of you in here are like, why did I come to church today? I mean, seriously, that's all we're doing. We're talking about money, and I just don't really, I just don't get this, and I don't have enough. I mean, Chris, you just don't realize how tight things are in our house right now. And what you're telling me is that I need to rearrange my life, and I need to reprioritize it in such a way. I mean, I just can't believe that. I mean, if I were to give or to think about giving uh, a tithe, I would have to reprioritize. Is that what you're telling me, Chris, to reprioritize my life? Yes, that's what I'm saying. To reprioritize your life. That's what I'm saying. To rearrange your life. And why? Because it works. It actually works. And I know because I've experienced it myself. Tithing works. It really does. Like I said earlier, the first half of my life, I lived with the scarcity mindset. And then I went into my marriage like that, and I consumed everything more than enough that my wife Jennifer and I got in credit card debt so deep that we could not give the tithe. And so we decided, I'm a pastor of the church, and so we decided we would give 5%, but Jen had this idea that we came together that if, we did, if God would supply, we would increase it by 1% each year till we got to the tithe. And eventually, we got to that point, and we do it even more. And you know what I had to do, and what I still have to do in my life? I had to rearrange my life. I had to reprioritize my life. And that's what we've done for the last 24 years is we have rearranged our marriage, our family, everything else to put God first. God is first in the bunch household when it comes to finances because we've seen the benefit of what happens when that takes place. Now, The second thing that the tithe kind of gives to us is the tithe builds our faith. The tithe builds our faith. We see the faithfulness of God, and Malachi 3 tells us this. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that is uh, the church, the temple of that day, the church today, that there may be food in my house. And then check this out. This next part is the only place in all of Scripture that we ever have God saying to test him. It's the only place where it says test him. And it says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. You don't believe it? Try it. Give it a shot. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for it. Folks, God is like this. He's saying, you give me your first and your best and I'll bless the rest. In other words, he's saying that 90% with God's blessing actually goes further than 100% without it. Let me say that again. 90% with God's blessing goes further than 100% without it. Now, rather than just hearing me talk about this today, I've invited my good friends, Brent and uh, Katie Close, to come and to share, and if they'll do that now, a part of their story of how God used the power of the tithe to change their lives. And let's give Brent and Katie a hand as they come. 
Hey guys. Thank you. Thanks for being here today. And uh, thanks for sharing a part of your story today. So, um, yeah, then they'll hear that well. Okay. Uh, so if you guys don't mind, why don't you just share a little bit about how you got started on this journey uh, of tithing? Okay. Um, well, in our previous church, um, before we came to the jar, we tithed there, but we weren't very connected. Um, but when we came to the jar in uh, late 2005, um, we just immediately felt connected um, to the people here and um, to God a lot, you know, a lot more. And um, so then we started tithing then in late 2006, okay. or no, early 2006, excuse me. So, so that's, when, that's when we started tithing. So. Yeah. And what did that journey look like? Because I know initially, Brent, uh, that wasn't really kind of the, the process of what that looked like. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, similar to Pastor Bunch, uh, we had just had our third child at the time, who's who's the, now at IEU. So for those Hoosiers out there, Jamie. Um, but we wanted to start giving and, and giving more than what we did at our other church. So we started at 3%, and we gave it 3% for five years. And so that's that's 2006. And then, so you um, weren't quite at a tide yet, but you said, "Hey, we're going to give, and we're going to work towards this." What this looks like, yeah. Okay. And this wasn't the easiest thing to do because it, if you follow the timeline, 2006 we start giving. Well, in 2009, I actually went unemployed hmm. and was unemployed for six months. But what we decided—so I'm to assuming do, then you just stopped giving, right? Like you lose your job, you get you stop. That's what most people do, right? You lose your job, you don't give anymore. What did you do? We actually decided to keep giving and, and try as much as we could. And, and we, we stayed at that 3% level with, with starting at the beginning of the year and then losing my job in, in January and then not finding another job until December. It was June. Oh, okay, it was a June. And then December. So we, we spent six months unemployed uh, and then found a job in very late um, December. I want to say it was 27th, 28th. It was really late, but we decided to keep on giving at that time. And what ended up happening is uh, God blessed me with a better job uh, than what I had before. I had to say no to a couple folks that wanted to, to hire me and just wasn't the right fit. I was really extremely stressed at my old job, anxious. You were buying my lunch quite a bit, so... I was. I was. He was bumming off of me big time. So, so if you, if you do go, if you do, if you're between jobs, just hit bunch up. He'll 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 take you out for lunch. That's true. That's true. Um, but what we decided to do is, since God blessed us with a better with me with a better position, is we said, okay, we're going to up our giving. We're going to turn around. We we got blessed, so we we did five percent. And then we did that for another three years. So we're, we're inching up, I guess is what I'm saying, along the way. We just didn't jump into the tithe. So we did that, and then we turned around and did 9% for three years. And then that's where, what, what did you say earlier? Don't feel pressured. Don't yeah. feel, well, someone encouraged me. Maybe someone on this stage I'm not married to. To say that... Uh, you're already at 9%. Yes. What's, what's one more percent? Think about, think about one more, more percent. Pray about one more percent. 
but uh, it may have been someone on the stage. And actually, I remember this conversation because he came to me because he's a math guy. And this is actually what he said. I'm at 9.67%. I said, dude, you can get it to 10. Like, just go ahead and do it. And I remember you did. Well, Brent, I know you and I have a similar background where we grew up with not a lot, kind of with a scarcity mindset. And can you talk a little bit about how you went from that to this idea of abundance and what that looked like? For sure, for sure. So we, we got to 10 and we'd been at 10% for the last seven years, but it, it was different. I didn't grow up in a church home. I grew up in a small town, like, like a lot of folks did. Um, we, didn't, we didn't go to church except for weddings and funerals. I mean, that's what it boiled down to. I'm one of three brothers. Uh, my dad was a scheduler at a factory. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, so we, you know, and we made it work. We, 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 didn't, we didn't want not, but... Uh, we definitely weren't used to giving a- at all. So, um, I mean, we weren't Po. I, I, th- I think we had the O and the R, but, uh, but, but we definitely weren't Po. Um, but we always had stuff for what we needed to do. Um, not sure how my mom did it, so just a shout-out to my mom and dad for, for keeping us together and making sure that we always had what we wanted. So I think she could teach a budget class. I'm I'm pretty (laughs) sure she could teach Financial Peace University and do well. Um, But uh, when we came here to the JAR, it was was different for us. We we really, as Katie mentioned, we we felt, you walked in and you felt different. And at the time, you got to realize we had one, three, and five for kids. Now we have... 23, 21, and 18. So it's, it, we've been here for a little while. But, you know, we, we continue to make some sacrifices that, that allowed us to can do our giving the entire time. Uh, even though I got a better job, we decided to stay in the same house we were. Uh, it's our version of tiny house, but uh, it works for us. And now Girls shared a room, right? Girls shared a room. Wiley had his, his own room to, to destroy and but 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 we did well um we had our you know our little place and and we liked it and now with everybody in school it seems really big with just the two of us um but what what the other thing we did was um i was you know i'm a good math guy i'm not a good checkbook guy for some reason that doesn't translate so katie took over the checkbook and that really helped uh, because I've, I'm a reckless spender, for those of you who don't know. Somehow he makes me a trustee, but I'm the one who's recklessly spending money. So question his judgment every now and, now and again. Just, just press him on it. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's been almost 20 years. Uh, we've got kids. We're blessed to have three kids in school right now. Um, and... Um, we, we continue to give. We, 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 we know that that's important. God has shown us in, in different times what that means. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't start out, we didn't jump in at 10. We, we, we did what we could at that time, just like you did with, with, with Jen at the beginning. And then we just continued. The, the, more, we, the more we gave, the more we got. And that, that 10% was almost like, um, I don't know, you'd call it icing on the cake or the cherry on the Sunday of, you know, being connected spiritually and a sense of community and support from the jar. Yeah. 
and that last, that last, that encouragement to get to that last point, three, 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 <laughs> from, from from Chris was was and, and it and it really when we give that, it, it's we we give we get more than we give. Yeah. When it comes to that. And so that sense it really did went from scarcity to a sense of abundance that God blessed. Well, I'm sure you have some stories, Katie, of like or places where you've seen God as this journey of tithing came, um, how he's blessed you in some ways and what that whole concept of honoring God, you've seen God move then uh, in your life. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it just seems like um, anytime we make it an unexpected bill, um, you know, it's just, uh, um, some money comes in, whether it's like a refund or um, a credit in some way, then um, that covers that bill, you know, or most of it. Um, and to me, that's God saying, hey, I've, I've got you, you know, we've got you covered, you know. Um, so that's that's just one example that I could think of that, you know, that he's taking care of us. Um, you know, and we, like Brent said, you know, we've been blessed that even you know, living for over almost 20 years. Um, we've still been able to build a savings account, um, a small retirement, you know, and like you said, our kids, you know, send our kids on to college. So, um, and, you know, the jar has always been there for us, um, you know, as, you know, encouragement, um, people praying for us, um, just the community that we have and, you know, guidance, you know, you've yeah. been there for us to help us through times. So, yeah, yeah. yeah we've been blessed. And I know, especially with some of the health issues that happen within your family, yes. how many times God has showed up yeah. and cared for you time mm -hmm. and time again. Yeah. And uh, there's no doubt that part of that release uh, from the abundance of you guys has yeah. been a gift that way. Well, uh, let's give a hand to both Brent and Katie for sharing their story uh, with us today. All right, so how do we see the power of the tithe? Well, first of all, we do it because it teaches us to put God first. Secondly, it's what they said. It actually grows your faith, and we see that in Brent and Katie's story. And then the last thing is that it provides for the work of God's church. And I unapologetically say that, that when we tithe, it actually provides for the work of of God's church. When we give 10% into God's church, a lot gets done in our community and in our world. Again, Malachi 3.10 uh, says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, just by a show of hands, be honest, don't lie about it, but just by a show of hands, how many of you would say that your life spiritually is different because of the work that has happened in this church called the char? How many of you, by a show of hands, would say that your life is different spiritually because of the things? Okay, hands everywhere. Yeah, like that's what happens. Our life is different because of what God is able to do here. Last week, you might remember the story, if you were here, of Chris and Angie and Peyton and Jared. 
And if you remember, what happened was because of your tithes and your offerings, we bought a whole bunch of yard signs, and we want to encourage you to pick one up today. And Chris and Angie put one in their yard, and Jared and Peyton were walking by, and they saw that, and they thought, you know what, I want to go check uh, that church out, but we're afraid. So they went to their neighbors and said, hey, would we be welcome there? And they're like, oh, yeah, you're welcome there. You can sit with us. And so they came and they sat down, and a few weeks later, they gave them their lives to Christ. And over this past year, so the nine months, we've had 92 people accept Christ for the first time. I mean, it's really, really cool. And uh, in the midst of all of that, uh, as they accepted Christ, then both Peyton and Jared said, well, we actually want to be all in. And so they got baptized along with 33 other people, and we had 35 people get baptized, the largest baptism we've ever had in the history of the jar. And uh, yeah, very, very cool. And folks, this is what's true. We're not praying for revival. We've actually been seeing revival take place over these past nine months. And this is what we do because this is what God does for us. Just a couple of more stories real quick. Uh, Judy worked at Party City and she worked there for several years. And uh, one day uh, through our second Saturday Serve Fest, uh, which is actually coming up in a couple of weeks, that when we were out passing out these cookies uh, to them, uh, Judy gets one of these cookies and she's like, these must be God cookies. And she took these cookies and she coined it God cookies and some of her co-workers would not eat them. They were like, well, we don't know church, that kind of stuff. And she just told them, she's like, what's your problem? These are God cookies. Like God gave us these cookies. And the beginning of this summer, Judy brought her grandson, which is Nathan, who is now our new student ministry director, and brought him to here to church. And since then, Nathan came and she's invited eight other people that have come because of this. And it's because of your tithes and your offerings that Judy and her family's life was impacted through a small cookie. But it's not just about signs and cookies, but what did Paul say? He actually said, you are to use the gifts that you have to care for the who? What did he say? The poor. He said to take care of the poor. And two times every single month, that's what we do through the community basket. Um, Things that food stamps don't pay for, deodorant, toilet paper, uh, shampoo, hygiene items, we go and we give to those who are in need. And check this out. The first nine months, this is how many people we've served. 3,264 people, and we've given out, check this out, 48,960 items. I mean, and folks, the only reason that happens is because of the giving that you choose to have. Folks, when we give, what happens is God multiplies and then it grows our faith and we give again. And that becomes the abundant cycle. Now, who does that? We do that. And why do we do that? 
because of what God has given to us. Because of what he did for us, this is what we do. And you know, I have no problem teaching on this message with passion and energy because 24 years ago, I returned the tithe for the first time Jennifer and I did together. And because of that, Jesus has done so much, so much for me, more than I could ever repay. And I am honored to make him first with my finances and with my life. Look at it one more time. On the left is this diagram of what people live today, of scarcity. We consume, we lack, we fear, we consume some more. But with the abundance cycle, it's different. We give, God multiplies, Our faith grows, and then we choose to give again. It's supernatural. I can't explain it, but I've seen it time and time and time again. So today, this is my challenge for you, is that I want to invite you to start tithing or work toward the tithe. Choose today. God, I'm giving you this percentage. For the closest you might remember, it was 3%. For Jen and I, it was 5%. But we're going to give and we're going to do it consistently until we get to the tithe because we know God will provide. Within your program and for those of you that are on the stream, we have a tool to help you with that. It's a little card that you can pull out that can actually help you to know the process of what that looks like. And we want to encourage you to take that, to look at it, to be a part of it. Because be a part of we. Be a part of we. Because this is what we do. And when we give, God multiplies it. Our faith is grown. And God gets all the glory. And lives get changed for eternity. Because people chose to give. This is what we do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for reminding us today that you love to bless your people, that you love to give to us, that we are blessed, God, way beyond measure, that if you came here today in a car, we are the 95% of the most wealthiest people in the world just by bringing a car to church. And so, God, would you help us to rearrange what we need to do to reprioritize so that we would honor you first in all things. Help us to do this and remind us, God, that you will multiply what we give and help us to be a blessing to those in our community and around the world. Now, for some of you who are Jesus followers today, you're sitting there and you're like, I want to be more generous. I want to do this. I know it's going to take some hard work, but I'm ready to rearrange. I want to start doing that. And if that's you today, if you're like, that's me, I I want to change. I want to start somewhere. Maybe like, I want to start somewhere. I'll rearrange. I'll take some things differently, but I'm going to do that. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. 
with no one looking around, your eyes closed, no one looking around, but saying, God, I want to work towards that, work towards giving you, I invite you to just raise your hand, to put God first. God, if you want to have him first in your life, that say, God, I want to do that with my finances. Let me pray for you. God, I pray today that your faith would increase each hand that's lifted. I pray that we would know how to put you first in all things so that we could be a bigger blessing to other people around us. God, I thank you that you are the God of provision. And God, I ask right now that you would prove yourself faithful because you are a God of abundance, not of scarcity for each hand that's lifted. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. To me, today, maybe you realize, you know, Chris, when you said put God first, I realized that, you know what, I haven't done that. And the reason I haven't is because of the stuff I've done in my past. I've messed up so much in my past that I just don't think there's any way that God would receive me. And this is what you need to know. That is a lie from the evil one, Satan himself. God loves you. He cares for you. He loved you so much that Jesus went to a cross and he died upon it so that all of your sins could be forgiven. Everything from your past, anything in your future that he gives you a present called today and you can use him. And that when you accept him as Lord of life, it's not just here while you're here on earth. He died on a cross, but three days later, he rose again so that you could have life and have it eternally. And so he rose from the grave so you could be with him forever. And so if today is your day where you're like, I want to put God first. I want him first in my life. I want to receive his forgiveness, his love, his grace in my life. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray together. And I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I surrender my life to you today. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.